welcome to episode nine of Salopcast. Um, myself, Ollie, as always, and Glyn, how you doing, mate? I'm okay, yeah. I was expecting to go to Scumfort yesterday and see the, the continuation of our bright new dawn after our first win, and it didn't quite end up like that, Ollie. So, yeah, a little bit to talk about in a more negative tone than last week, I think. Yeah, so I listened to the game on BBC Shropshire from the, the comfort of my house, um, kind of in as the whole country got drenched in rain. Mm. Um, and then I watched the extended highlights, so I've got a bit of a sense of what the game is, but very much going to be um, presenter today, trying to and ask you kind of your opinion, because obviously watching the game... Life is obviously yeah. um, obviously a lot different to listening and, and watching some highlights. So yeah, um, an interesting one in 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 a kind of negative way f- again to kind of go through. Mm. Um, and yeah, it'd be interesting to get your thoughts. So before we kind of go into the game, so uh, how did you get it there? So you made a bit of a how? To, what was your kind of drive and so What was your pre match? Yeah, um, I, well, it's funny. I took um, one of my uh, wife's friend's sons to his first away game this weekend. So it was sort of like you know, I think he's like eleven, coming on twelve. So quite a good age to sort of experience that sort of thing. And I, I have to say that on, on the reflection of the whole experience of going to Scunthorpe to watch a game of football, probably isn't going to have helped him fall in love with Shrewsbury Town, if I'm honest with you. But so there we go. We have to try these things, don't we? But yeah, he had a good day. To be so yeah we picked him up and then um eight o'clock in the morning we drove to this place called escape yorkshire which is sort of a big indoor snow dome with cinema and all sorts of kids things for the kids to do so we played mini golf there oh. and then uh, on the way to scunthorpe i went to somewhere to pick something up i bought off facebook marketplace so i had a busy day ollie um and then yeah got to scunthorpe about one o'clock and sat in that um i think it's i think it's a hungry horse pub next to the ground so yeah it was a, it was a busy old morning really which was which was nice but the, we had a good morning actually that me and the kids and um it was nice to sit in that pub ollie and not be looking outside at you know a blizzard and minus four conditions outside it was it was tropical in Scunthorpe this weekend I think oh, good. that's good to hear so, <laughs> so you had a good trip there and stuff it was just a shame about the football it was a shame about the football and as I say we'll, we'll get on to that now and it was just um, yeah I think it was for, for everything that we looked at last week in terms of where we could be heading and all the positives and, and you know I think I said on the podcast last week that I thought when if everything clicks we've got the makings of a, of a top 10 team which I got a little bit of a, a mocking for on, on Twitter this week but um I do think that when you look at a game like yesterday, you also can see why there are some fans that think we've got the makings of a team that could get relegated. So, I don't know. It's very stark, the contrast between this week and last week. So, um, yeah, I think uh, the best thing to do, Ollie, is let's get on with talking about the game. Luke Summerfield. Lovely corner. Deficit half. Brilliant free kick from Luke Summerfield. Hereford still complaining he shouldn't have beaten one in the first place. It doesn't matter now. It's 2-1 and it's game on. So, um, unfortunately, um, Shrewsbury Town um, did not win, so we didn't <laughs> make it two wins on the bounce, and we've actually lost our yeah um, unbeaten streak as well, which yep. had extended to seven games. Um, going into this game, it was Stuart McCall's second game, uh, and before this game as well, Scunthorpe had not won at home um, in five, um, so you know the kind of omens were there, weren't they? We just won. Um, and they hadn't won at home for a while, so Classic. yeah, there was a reason to be optimism. Yeah, a bit yeah. of optimism there. Yeah, there was. Yeah. yeah. Um, unfortunately, he ended one nil. So Novak scored after fifty-five minutes, which means that we have not won away from home all season yet. So nope. that is very disappointing. Um, but then also, the thing that always shocks me and it always surprised me, and I always forget about this because we always hear about Scunthorpe spending money and they seem to have quite high expectations. The, the attendance was only three thousand three hundred. Uh, sorry, three thousand seven hundred. Yeah. And we took 300. Yeah, which we took about 300. So they are a bit of a small club, aren't they? So, yeah, interesting and yeah, disappointing to, to lose um, 
one now. It's interesting. We we got brought into the football league uh, at the same time as Scunthorpe in the in the nineteen fifties. So you know they were sort of similar. But I think at one point they might. I think they must have dropped back out and they were in the conference for a while and then they came back up, didn't they? Because it's funny. I've always can kind of considered Scunthorpe a, co- a conference team that have just done well and stayed up all those years. And I don't know how many years they were down there. I think it just depends on what, when you notice they were down there and what generation. Yeah, what generation you were. So. Um, yeah, there we go. So, uh, yeah, they are a small club. And, and, you know, they're getting the sort of attendances we used to get when we were playing in the Football League under Jake King. So, you know, some somewhere along the line, they've got to have a bit of a reinvention like we did with the new ground. And that's pushed our attendances up and we become more established. I suppose Scunthorpe's problem, Molly, is that they were the first club to move to a new out-of-town ground post-Taylor report, weren't they? And there was a, a lot of issues yeah. about that. And I think that, you know, in some respects might have set them back. So, yeah, they're not. it's not the biggest club to go to. But they, they seem to be punching above their weight a long, for a long time now. And, you know... They've certainly had a better last 10, 15 years than us in terms of where they've been, haven't they? Because they got up to the championship at one point, didn't they? Or almost did. I can't yeah. remember. Yeah. I think so. Yeah, yeah I, I think remember. so. Yeah. So interesting that their attendances have dropped off to that low, and I wonder what they were getting when they were doing better. But um, to be fair, Ollie, the town fans made it made the most noise, and we'll come to that as we go through the game. Cool. So um, there was only one change for this team um, that started on Saturday. Um, so Buckles was dropped for Beckles. <laughs> um, so he came in at left back. Shame. Um, and yeah, so the same team, and not too surprising really. Fair enough um, to start um, with um, with the same team. That obviously, had won the first game of the season. I didn't think expect any changes. Did you, Ollie? I didn't know not at all. No, no. So, um, so um, any kind of pre-match kind of um, highlights? Yeah, we went well because we got there quite early. Had a bit, a bit of lunch at the pub. Um, had a chat to a couple of town fans in the pub about what we thought was going to happen, and I think everyone was quite quite positive. To be honest with you, um, obviously as we just talked about there, we're getting that first win, and maybe thinking we could kick on now, and, and the omens that we talked about and so I, I made the mistake of telling the, the kids I was with that they could spend £2 each in B&M home stores for match sweets and didn't realise quite how much sweets and sugary stuff you can buy for £2 in B&M home stores so <laughs> that was a poor mistake one of the lads who was with us uh, decided to spend a pound on a Toblerone and he consumed the whole thing during the game so God only wow. knows God only knows what sort of state he was in today but um, we got in there quite early which was good actually because you know sometimes you know as, as fans especially home games we get in there a minute before kickoff, don't we or, or five minutes so and we don't really see a warm up or see what they're going through and and um, it was nice to see a, a warm-up and see what we're going through. And the two things I noticed really early was one that Joel Coleman gets a very sort of intensive um, kicking warm-up, which is interesting because we've talked about you know his kicking being maybe one of the weaker points um, about his game. And so they obviously are trying to work on that. Um, it was interesting that a couple of them still sailed off into the crowd while he was doing it, which didn't look too good, but um, he got most of them straight. And then we always talk about the shooting drill, actually. We probably have talked about that in terms of warm-ups more than anything. And I thought, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to sit here today and watch every shot, count it, and count how many of them they score and so they had 59 shots Ollie and I, I, I know I know you can probably see this on the agenda but how, you know how many do you think they scored of the 59 you'd hope it would be at near 50, 50. or so <laughs> like we said she's a one-on-one with the keeper mm. so these were shots from no more than 20 yards out and, and some of them they were taking a touch and running on the keeper of the 59 shots that our attacking unit had so it wasn't the defenders it was just the six attacking players they scored 18 and, and I thought that was pretty poor and it quite an interesting stat when you look at how poorly we've been finishing recently and you know they didn't it can't say that they looked unconfident doing it but some of the players hardly hardly got a shot on target Gilead particularly Holloway Holloway didn't get close to scoring one of his shots I don't think Wally on the other hand pretty much nailed every single one of his shots it was it was interesting to see you know even in warm-ups you know maybe the players were a little bit more confident the ones that are, are tending to test the keeper a little bit more I thought it was interesting compared to where we are and talking of warm um, I saw you tweeted out <laughs> that you hadn't got your coat no so I got to the boot to get the kids coats out and I noticed that uh, I'd left mine in the hallway at home which wasn't ideal 
but luckily, as I said, it wasn't too cold in, in Scunthorpe um, on Saturday compared to this time last year. So, um, yeah, and it was nice. And then we got in there. I say the crowd's built up. and There's about 300, ta- 330 town fans, I think, in there, which was I thought was a cracking away attendance, really. And, and they were noisy from about 10 minutes before the game. So, yeah, got in there, got settled, ready for the game. You know, looking forward to seeing something something cool again like we did last weekend. It's funny on coats. It reminds me of a story when um, Ian sits next to me at the football. Um, we were playing um, Oxford on Boxing Day quite a few years ago. Yeah. And he forgot his coat. Oh, disaster. Boxing Day, Christmas, it was quite cold. Oh, that was always reminds me. It's quite funny. It's really thin <laughs> fleece on. I think he lost a few calories that day. The worst thing is, my wife, when I told her that, when I phoned her on the way home, I was like, oh, you won't believe it. I forgot my coat. She goes, oh, I did wonder why it was on the on the floor in the hallway just after you'd gone. I was like, I was like you could have called me. I'd have come back and got it. <laughs> yeah. Never mind. Must you, obviously, you've done something wrong. <laughs> yeah. so, so, Always in the battle, So the Charlie. football then. How, how did town start? How did town start? Uh, not not as well as they have done in recent weeks. Let's leave it at that. It was, um, yeah, we've been starting well in the last few weeks, and, and Askey's been making a big deal about trying to get fast starts and put teams under the cosh. And he, particularly at Portsmouth, he made a big deal about it. Um, but we didn't we didn't come out, and and it was a you know the the starting period of the game, particularly the first five minutes, was just poor football to watch. I don't think Scunthorpe were any good either, um, and we certainly struggled to get our game together. And, and in all honesty, the first five minutes was just dull and that's a theme that continued for most of the first half to be honest with you but um yeah it wasn't very interesting in the first five minutes and it took until maybe after the first five minutes when Scunthorpe tried tried to put a little bit of pressure on they had a few corners which we defended really well where there was at least some interest in the game but yeah in terms of starts to game Ollie it was far from interesting so the sweets were the highlights of the first 10 they minutes. were actually and, and I was into them as well which is which is not helped my diet at all but uh, there we go I, I'll, I won't tell anyone um but yeah but the one thing I noticed in the early period was um obviously the game was dull and, and the town fans were brilliant and I've said this three times already now but it is worth mentioning you know 300 town fans there and it was a lot of chanting and, and particularly the chants we've started to develop this season now Blue Amber Army back as well but the Sean Wally chant was going quite well and um, everyone was joining in with that and and this is just my observations right no, no judgment from it but when they got to the first John Askey's Barmy Army chant it was notable that a good percentage of the fans then just didn't join in with that chant which I, I only put out there on this podcast as of interest to me that kind of just back, backs up a little bit of thoughts that some people just don't want to chant that yet because maybe they're not convinced or they just think it's too early to be getting, you know, you get behind a manager but too early to be really giving it with vigour. And then they, they started that chant once and then they tried it again and it died and they didn't sing it for the rest of the game, which, you know, is interesting because last season we wouldn't stop chanting Paul Hurst Barmy Army, even even the season before when he was starting to save us from relegation. So all that all that indicated to me was that, you know, this start hasn't gone down well with Shrewsbury Town fans. We might be playing well in some games, we didn't on Saturday, but... You know, it, I just thought it was an interesting, interesting thing to note, Ollie. Yeah, I would. For me, I I always find it odd. Um, you know, when a new manager comes in and the fans are singing his name straight away. Yeah, which yeah. Sometimes you hear when you're watching football games. For me, yeah, I think the manager need, needs to earn, earn, win more than one game to kind of yes, and well, not earn the right, but you know, fans just chant his name. So yeah, it was interesting. It was a really vigorous chant before it, and as I say, the next one just died a bit. Yeah, away at Luton, there was a lot of chanting to his name. Yeah, so good. It was a lot, obviously, it's obviously died down a little bit with. The lack of wins. Yeah, and the the game was so dull at the start. I'm not surprised people not really getting too enchant in, in with the chance. But uh, you know, it was good. And the, and to be fair, town fans they kept going the whole game, and we'll come to that as we go on. But yeah, uh, from about sort of ten minutes in, then town started to play a bit better. I think Scunthorpe sort of 
you know, they, they didn't start fast either. It was very, very scrappy. We started to get to grips a bit more with the game, and that was clearly from um, the central midfield three, Ollie. They, they finally sort of figured out maybe what they needed to play with the way they were set up, because Scunthorpe were playing um, with, with sort of one up front as well, so it was quite a congested midfield, but ours started to find a bit more space. It was noticeable Grant dropped, dropped very deep in this game, and maybe he did that to find the space, so um, that worked quite well. And we started to actually have probably our best period in the game from sort of 10 to sort of 30 minutes, and it was only a 20, 23, 24 minute spell where we were sort of good in the game, um, apart from a sort of bit in the second half, which, which was when we changed tactics a little bit. But this was definitely our best period of the game. We had probably some of our better chances in that period. So Norburn had a chance that was blocked and it came out to Grant and he fired it over. And um, there was a couple of other little scrappy bits here and there. And, and um, you know, we started to actually have an influence on the game, but it was through the middle, Ollie. I thought the wingers weren't great in the game and um, they didn't really offer us as much as sort of the, the way that we went through the middle and Angle in that period was playing really well he would he was pressing well Doxy was pressing well um, and, and you know we, we looked we looked alright in that bit we, as I say we didn't look as good as we have done in the first half of recent weeks but we were looking better in that period um, but as I say when the chances came they went back in again Yeah we watching um, the highlights back um, and obviously I was listening but we had a few chances and li- watching them back the chances were better than actually what I, what yeah, I thought yeah. what I'd heard and what I interpreted when I was listening on the radio and yeah it was quite frustrating and throughout the whole game we had chances to score and again we just kind of links back to your pre-match warm-ups that um yeah we just don't have you know players that are very good at finding the net unfortunately we don't or at least not regularly anyway and um as I say, you know, I was going to mention this at halftime, really, when I, when I summed up the half. But it seems like when we're on top of a game, we're completely, you know, wasteful and, and you know, not as sharp as we need to be. And when we're struggling in a game, we look completely blunt. We don't really even have any chances then. So it, it is it is tricky and, it, and it's not great to watch. And, and in general, you know, other than that 10, 15, 20 minute spell, watching town on Saturday was, was a bit of a chore, really. They weren't, they, there was a lot of disjointedness. And the second half was worse, but we'll come to that. So it's a question then. So, so you're saying that the, the Winkers didn't do very well. And mm. I saw on Twitter there was a bit of criticism for them was it that they were poor because they weren't getting the ball or were they getting the ball in good positions and being wasteful well when we were penned back they weren't really in the game to be fair we weren't getting out very well and when we when we were it was coming through the middle and then trying to hit the strikers up front in the second half I, I have to say I thought Wally was probably slightly better than Gilead in terms of what he offered in the game he, he had a couple of chances in the second half and had more of an influence Gilead for me he really does flatter to deceive you know his, his pace is great but don't really remember many times in the game where he really was able to use it and go past the player and a couple of really wasteful opportunities were crosses um, so they did have a bit of the ball Ollie but um, in terms of producing good chances for Angle the, the service to Angle from the wingers in this game was poor you know there wasn't anything he could really feed off to to have a decent chance so when um, if there was an area of the team I think was probably the weakest in the game I would say it was the wingers on Saturday that's disappointing especially considering that's supposed to be a, yeah obviously a big outlet for us it is it is it is yeah, so that that wasn't that wasn't good to be fair. And I say on the wingers, Wally Wally got booked after 19 minutes, and it was pathetic. We put a cross, a, a sort of free kick in, um, and he ended up being offside. And then it went back to the guy at the free kick, and he knocked it in again because they, they hadn't quite realised they were offside. And Wally got the ball, and then just kicked it kicked it into the goal, kicked it away. <laughs> the ref was like, "I'm just going to book you, you've kicked the ball away." So yeah, a little bit of frustration there, I think, and, and maybe that was a symptom of, of how he sort of found that opening period. Maybe it's interesting you mentioned the ref. I noticed mm. he got quite a bit of criticism um, during the game. Definitely, it's probably the most annoyed a bunch of town fans have been with a referee um he was rubbish in all fairness so was he rubbish just against shrewsbury or was he rubbish both ways uh i think he was pretty rubbish against shrewsbury but uh, maybe scunthorpe fans would tell you they didn't think he was much cop either the main problem with him he was fat 
to be honest with you. He was a bit overweight, a bit tubby. Um, and we noticed this, actually, when he was running around the pitch at the start of the game. I said to the kids, he's a big lad, isn't he? Do you know what I mean? And um, they were like, is that the ref, Dad? I was like, yeah, that's the ref. Um, and to be honest with you, he was never up with play, which is obviously a bit of a problem with a referee because you're making calls, that if you're making them and your linesman's not, not good, giving it anyway, um, you're making calls from a long way away. And he gave a lot of free kicks to Scunthorpe and he was a good 20, 30 yards away from what had happened sometimes. And he seemed to just... And it wasn't like the home crowd were vociferous and he was going with it. He just seemed to give them everything. And there were some comical moments where town players had been hacked down and it was it was a clear free kick, you know, based on how he'd been giving them free kicks. He would just wave it away, wave it away. And, and I, I honestly think, because the town fans got on his back from about 25, 30 minutes in when he was making some poor decisions and they really gave him some clog and at half-time as well. And I think the more that town fans gave him clog and our players were moaning at him because they were really frustrated the more homer ref he became he got worse in the second half to be honest with you and um yeah it, it was it was a frustrating thing because I, th- I just think that he was almost playing up to the, to the grief he was getting off our fans because we were the only ones making any noise so it was almost like he could hear us wasn't getting any reaction from scunthorpe so i don't know i'm not going to call someone a cheat but it, it seemed like he was almost like going against what we were saying it was annoying but there we go he was rubbish though so well yeah any other highlights in the first half um yeah as i say in that period that, that 10 to 30 minute period i say it was the midfielders and and uh, that sort of dominated doxy had a half hit chance that he could have done a bit better with he scuffed um and, and there were parts of the game where we were on top in that period um but it wasn't to the level of how we played against portsmouth in the first half for example or even or even against south end last weekend so it, it wasn't up to that level um i thought grant worked really well in that little period um he was actually quite attacking at times even though he was finding space sitting deep but the way he covered particularly when Emmanuel got caught out of position a couple of times and, and also over in the other in other, other right left back positions he was good at covering there as well so I was really impressed with Grant actually um, and surprised how much of the attacking movement he was involved in sometimes so yeah that was that was good uh, there was a, there was another half chance where Gilead sort of headed it down at the back post but the, the keeper sort of come out and scrambled down on it um, and then that was it really we got up to sort of 32 minutes and the, and the impetus was coming out of our little good period of play and I, I picked this moment up it was another booking really because I think it's sort of symptomatic of the problems that Waterfall has Ollie in that a ball got played into the striker and they were both facing back to goal the striker held the ball and then he just took one turn turned around Waterfall right all Waterfall had to offer there was he didn't commit to the tackle that's fair enough he stays on his feet but he was nowhere near sort of nicking the ball off him and what did he do as soon as the striker was half turned and you know one step away from him hands up all over the striker pulled him back clear booking again you couldn't really blame the referee for booking him for that and to me it sort of symptomised one of the problems he's got with people with quick feet turning in because we've seen that with some of the penalties this season haven't we that he's given away in that he just doesn't like people big sort of strong blokes by the look of it being able to try and turn in with quick feet and he struggles then doesn't he yeah keeps linking back to the concern we have that he's maybe he's not um, he's not league one ready no and and it looks to me like he's going to keep doing that because it doesn't look like he's learning the lessons from those penalties he gave away and well, luck, maybe he's maybe just not that good well yeah you could be right mate you could be right um so there we go and then as the game went on as i say that that good period came out of us ollie um, and Scunthorpe got back into it for the last sort of five, eight minutes of the game. And there was a really good moment for them where um, I think his name's Ugbo or Ug- Ugbo or something like that. He plays up front for um, Scunthorpe. He was dreadful. I think they think they had it bad with Ivan Tony last season. This guy was even worse. He missed a lot of chances for Scunthorpe on Saturday. But he got in down the left-hand side and he had one shot that Coleman saved and he parried it back out to one of the defenders. It was Waterfall and he sort of dillied on it. And then the striker got it again and, and um, Coleman made another really good save sort of seconds after the first one. So... You know, Coleman, Coleman was really good in the first half and he, he did well in the second half as well. He was really impressive in the game with the saves that he made. Um, so, yeah, that was it really. And that sort of, the, the sort of life came out of us a little bit and we were heading into half-time then. Yeah, so overall kind of first half, a bit frustrating. Yeah. Of, uh, for, my, for me, what I heard and saw 
it looked like we had a couple of good chances. You know, Scunthorpe didn't really blow us away. Nope. We were in the game. Uh, midfield were on top. You know, it sounded like we were outnumbering in that department. But yeah, again, it's coming a bit of a consistent thing to say that yeah, we're just not we're not even got that cutting edge. No, no, and it wasn't thrilling to watch Ollie that first half. It was it was pretty poor at times. And um, yeah, half time just rang out booze for the referee, um, which as I say put his back up a bit more by the sounds of it. And our players were haranguing him as he went off. And we probably just shaded the half Ollie be my summary to be fair. But um, we had had to scrap away at the back a couple of times to stop them getting better chances and as I say the two clearest chances in the whole half came to that Ugbo and he, and he missed them so um, yeah we could have we could have been losing at half time um, we, we didn't really have too many clear cut chances so yeah that was it really uh, sorted sorted, uh, sorted through the sweets at half time and that's all sort of came and went and then it was yeah heading into the second half So how did we come out in the second half what was the kind of first 10 minutes like? I don't know if we did come out in the second half Ollie to be honest with you <laughs> the, the start of the second half anyone who wasn't there and has probably heard it on the radio we were the most lackadaisical slow to the ball you know we got absolutely dominated for the first 10 minutes of the second half it was it was laughable really Ollie to be honest with you and um yeah, we, we we looked half asleep, and some of the players didn't want to look like they were needed, they were going to be brave enough for us when we had the ball, and, and certainly not sort of in the tackle. Um, and Scunthorpe saw a bit of an opportunity, and they came straight at us. I think they'd obviously had a bit of motivation at half time from their manager. They looked more up for it, um, and it was probably the worst ten minutes of the half of the whole game. Sorry for, for us that start to the second half. Um, I you know I would say it was it was no better than very poor. Um, and yeah, we struggled to get out. They camped in our half. Um, and it, and it just was, was poor. And I, and I wonder what happened, really, because, you know, we'd not been great in the first half. We certainly weren't as bad as we were in that 10-minute period in the second half. And, and I wonder what Askey, you know, had, had, had to say at half-time, really, because, you know, there's, there's a narrower perception by some people again. And it was interesting. I was sitting there on Saturday, and there was a, a couple of ladies sitting behind me. Um, this was after we'd gone 1-0 down, really. So I think, you know, maybe some of this was borne out by anger. But they were sort of saying, oh, Askey's there, sitting impassive on the bench again. He doesn't seem to be up and doing anything. And I think there is this this belief that he, he maybe doesn't command the the, the, the the way he doesn't command the the presence to motivate and man motivate people in the way that maybe Paul Hurst did, and we're used to that because he was our last manager. And I do wonder because we've had a lot of half times now where we've come out in the second half and we've not been as good as we were in the first half, Ollie. Yeah, I, I don't know. I think I don't know. At risk of being a bit controversial, I think people have got short memories. Well, yeah. You know, Paul Hurst didn't even you know at home he didn't even come down for the first. No, half. no, I agree. And he was never that vocal on the sideline. He wouldn't normally tell players off or anything like that. So I don't know. I think it's. I think. He's winning a lot of games, though, <laughs> He was winning a lot of games, but I think, for me, I think this is the the fans trying to find the answers, but to the wrong questions. Mm. But for me, it's more about the half-time team talks, Ollie, in that there's been a lot of times where we've come out poor in the second half now that it's becoming a little bit of a pattern, isn't it? Yeah, well, interesting interesting tweet um, from um, Andy Davis, um, Pooley Shrew. So he said, Askey does not command an interview, the touch on and though he's not informed enough to comment on the most important, which is the dressing room, you know, he did say that, you know, most inf- more influential managers typically get refs on side and influence the game to a greater mm. degree. So yeah. while, you know, there's different ways, you know, you could be the Klopp way of, you know, running up and down the, the touchline. But I think there is a, a, here's a question for you then, Glenn. Do you, do you feel like ASCII is, so from your interpretation, do you feel like ASCII is influencing the game? I, 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 well, I mean, <laughs> if he is, it's not helping us get any wins, is it? Do you know what I mean? And, and it's very hard for a, re- a referee a manager to influence the game sometimes. You can have a Klopp who gets the crowd up and that doesn't really work at away games when you've got 300 fans following you. You know, we're already motivated enough to support our team. We don't need that extra extra thing of it. it it is difficult because you know we know what the man's like now we know what his demeanor's like from his interviews and how he's coming across and and you know 
Do I think he's a he's a massively great man motivator? My guess would be probably not, and he's more based on tactics and hard work and structure and um, you know a, a plan and sticking to it. You know, he seems strikes me as that. Maybe that's the sort of manager he is. He isn't a clop. He doesn't go out and put his arm around our players at the end of games and say, "Well done." You know, not every manager has to do the same same thing. You know, he's not a, he's not a pep. I watched that Man City documentary this week where he's, he's very vocal and very energetic in his halftime team talks. You can't imagine that Askey's like that, can you? You know, he maybe kicks a puddle once in a while and when he gets a bit frustrated, but I'd have liked to have seen him kicking a few puddles on Saturday because we were losing again and town fans were getting frustrated by it. You know, it, even if it's just for show a little bit, you know, show us that you're frustrated by this. And I get his post-match interviews, but even then at the end of his post-match interviews, he says he's frustrated, but he says it in such a monotone, boring way that I'm not entirely sure I believe he, he clearly is, but it sounds like he isn't. It's really weird. So I think there is a perception now from having been there on Saturday and listened to what people were saying around me. I talked to four or five town fans at halftime that I know and, you know, there is a little bit of a vibe there that they want to see more passion from him and it's difficult in it you know we've talked about this since the first interview we did um but when things aren't going right and you've only won one game in nine in the league it's these sort of things that fans are now starting to latch onto as something to beat him around the head with and i said that would happen weeks ago and i haven't prompted it who the hell listens to me do you know what i mean but i can start to see it happening you know and that's what happens when you go to games ollie and you're, you're around other town fans the passionate ones you can see it and you can sense that vibe and there's no point pretending it isn't there no i agree with that and, I, and for me yeah, it comes back to what i said i heard a lot of fans talking about it after the burton game going mm. oh he doesn't shout and scream on the tideline and all this kind of stuff and yeah I think people are frustrated and when when you're not winning yep. and people look for reasons you know I've seen lots of discussion about formations and we should play two up top and all this kind of stuff yeah it's a it's an interesting one well, um, yeah we'll come to that in a minute Ollie because we play two up top later on and it's, 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 exactly. it's opened up an entire new can of worms for me that but um uh, yeah and it's interesting because just stay on asking for one last bit but in terms of the way he presents himself he didn't do the interviews post-match interviews this week did he he let John he Fyland... did do post he did post-match he sorry pre. pre-match interviews that's what I meant to say um he let John Filan do them um which was interesting because we obviously had a big discussion on the podcast last season when Paul Hurst suddenly decided he wasn't doing pre-match interviews and um, yeah interesting that he's just taken the choice that he didn't want to do it and you know it's not like we're in a brilliant situation and all town fans are happy with what he's doing you know at this stage I would quite like to know what he thinks about what's going on and where we're headed you know it seems like if you're going to miss an interview, you do it at the stage where Hurst was doing it, which was we're pretty much qualified for what we need to now, which is the playoffs. We can't win the league anymore. I'm just going to take a little break. Fine, it wasn't we're still? I still, still, some town fans got annoyed about it, but I don't know. A bit of a weird point of turn to not be bothering with interviews when you've got another big game coming up. And again, things like that with some town fans, it's just increasing the pressure on him. So um, yeah, there, there we go. If he doesn't get the results, we're going to look off field things and. Um, we certainly don't get the results on Saturday. So, yeah, I thought it was just worth talking about because, you know, it's just how I'm feeling from speaking to people and seeing what's happening in the games. But let's not be honest, you know, not everybody thinks like that, Ollie. And I'm sure there is a very polarising set of opinions like we've talked about for weeks now. So that's just, just my thoughts on what what people were talking about, really. And as I say, that first half was terrible. I say the first bit of that half was terrible and it only took 10 minutes until Scunny scored. Um, and that goal was a bit poor in terms of the defending. You know, you've obviously seen the highlights back on this one, but what's your first view of it? Thought, what, what thoughts on it? Poor. <laughs> yep. And in, in many ways. So, yeah, town fans, town fans. Yeah, but let's blame town fans. Um, <laughs> the, um, the team was sitting too deep. Yep. So we, our back four um, line was um, in our own penalty area, um, where Gilead um, should have been pressing. Um, and the fair player was kind of like, I don't know, if you cook our defensive half in thirds, you know, they were based on that kind of third line yep. um, up near the halfway line. So they crossed it from deep and Novak was just completely free. So yep. it was on the left-hand side. So was, for me, it's where Sadler should have been. Yep. And yeah, Novak's a striker. So, you know, you should be keeping an eye on your striker. Um, and for me, it's talking about gifts. It was just really, really poor from Soft. midfielders. 
yeah, soft and poor. Midfielders not supporting and tr- putting enough pressure on. So lethargic kind of pressing and then kind of went to sleep at the back. And um, yeah, couldn't really blame the goalkeeper. And yeah, um, Scunford one nil up. Yeah, you couldn't blame Gold Coleman at all on that one, to be fair. You're completely right. That's exactly what I thought on the day. And I watched it back today. As I say, it, it was it was actually a free kick they put in first that we headed away. And it went back, back out to where it came from. But we didn't move to get out. We just stayed on that line. Pretty rigid. Exactly what it was for the free kick. Very, very. And this is not the first time no. that... Um, that um, Gilead's allowed crosses in. Yes. Um, and it's, for me, it's, well, obviously losing this game now is obviously kind of um, gives ASCII licence to start making some changes. Um, so it'll be interesting <laughs> to see what happens on the left wing there. Um, but yeah, poor poor goal to concede. And I don't know, would you say, Glenn, um, that it was fair for Scunthorpe that kind of deserved the lead at this point? Oh, by the way, that we'd been so bad at the start of the second half, they, they deserved the goal for 10 minutes of absolute domination, to be perfectly honest with you. We couldn't get out, Ollie. And so you know, everyone said it. I know I was, I was listening to a few people sitting behind me and they were like, well, that's been coming. It was it was one of them, do you know what I mean? And I think Lewis Cox put something similar on to Twitter as well, saying, you know, from, from what he'd seen, you know, the pressure was just building and building and building. And at some point we were going to concede. And as I say, Coleman had made one save during that period. There's been so many scrappy moments at the back where we just caught a clear it away so you know they deserve to be ahead at that point there's no no question about it but obviously at 55 minutes you've got to think town can regroup here and and maybe get back into it um but it wasn't the, the sort of bad period sort of continued and, and across the rest of the game the only reason we didn't lose more than one nil ollie was was joel coleman um and i wanted to sort of have a chat about him now because he made a string of saves as the half went on that were were brilliant and the, and the best thing about the saves that coleman made in this game was they were all different types of saves so there's one moment where Emmanuel played an awful back pass. They got, got him one-on-one and he made a brilliant save. One-on-one, came out, closed the striker down. You know, the striker should have scored all day. He's closed him down, got, got a hand to it, saved it. He had a couple of long shots that he saved really well. You know, tricky dipping shots. A couple of shots where they got in and they had little snapshots from close range. He did really well on them, got something on them, got a toe or a foot on it or a hand and punched it away. There was also a couple where they had corners and stuff and it was scrambling around in there and he was quick onto the ball. In essence, on Saturday, he had his best performance in Shrewsbury Town you know, colours for me, Joel Coleman. He was really, really good, and he did not deserve to be on the losing team. He, he was outstanding, to be honest with you. So, yeah, there we go. At this point, we made a change, didn't we? And brought an extra man up top. So, yeah, did that make that have a positive impact? And also, I was going to ask you, so around this time, we also, did, did this wake up the team as well in terms of going behind? Was there any kind of reaction from the players um, before the manager made the change? No, I think that he left the change 11 minutes. So we scored, let went in on 55 and then we made the change on 66, um, which was when he took Grant off for Holloway and we went 4-4-2 yep. then. So interesting. A lot of fans have been asking for 4-4-2, Ollie, haven't they? And um, you know, that, that was interesting that he did that. But yeah, he obviously made that change. Um, and we did rally a little bit then, I suppose. But um, no, in terms of that period between the goal and, and Askey making those subs, he made the sub because it clearly wasn't going to happen. The way so we the players didn't do anything themselves to try and... Not really. The performance. You know, I think Doherty, Doherty and, and Norburn tried to push on a little bit too far and, and up the pitch and try and get involved and Angle sort of had a few bits and pieces. But no, that we needed to change something, Ollie. It was clear to, to everybody who was there. Cool. So do you think this was the right change? So how, how did how did going to a top um, change the game? Were we better going forward? I can't criticise Askey for the change because, you know, I get frustrated when you 1-0 down away from home in a game that still looks winnable um, and you don't just go for it. Do you know what I mean? You, you're going to lose otherwise. The way we were playing... Chances are we weren't going to get back in it, and we certainly weren't going to score two goals. We're just playing angle up front and a couple of ineffective wingers. So yeah, I thought it was a it was a positive change. Holloway came on, as I said, and um, went went straight up with angle, and they linked up a couple of times actually, and and, and created a couple of chances. But it was very noticeable to me, Ollie. And I said I've said a few times now, haven't you? And you've always poo pooed it and sort of not not agreed with me when I've been saying maybe we should go four four two, Ollie. You know, maybe let's do it at a home game where we're not playing someone very good and see if we can maybe 
put more in those attacking situations and we might find someone more clinical. I have to say, having seen this play 4-4-2 against Gunthorpe, yeah, we'll, we'll look better in attacking positions and we did. We, we, we should maybe have scored one or two in the second half as it went on. But, oh my God, it left us so exposed taking Grant off. The, the man, as soon as he went off, was noticeably, you know, we noticeably missed him not having a shield. You know, and I'm sure Doherty and Morburn are good players, but without that third one sitting really deep, Sadler and Waterfall got completely exposed for the rest of the game. And so, in all honesty, as much as we looked a little bit better going forward and we could have scored, Scunthorpe should have scored two or three more, to be honest with you. And um, as I say, I mentioned all those different saves that Coleman made. Taking Grant off was was a bit of a problem, I thought. Yeah, it's it's it's, it's an interesting interesting debate about formations mm. and things, but yeah, I'll, uh, I think my view on that is quite clear. I think I'm um, coming round talk, to it, Ollie. Talking of um, talking of interesting moments, so Manuel played a dreadful and um, blind um, pass back um, to yep. Coleman, and uh, which got nowhere near him. And that was an amazing save, wasn't it? Yeah, I just mentioned it before, didn't I? And then, and, and, yeah. um, I don't think you gave him enough credit. No, I don't think I did actually, because I was about to say I think that was the best of all the saves he made in the game. Because you would bet your house on that striker scoring it. Do you know what I mean? He had the freedom of this, the, the whole. He had box. loads of time and space, and you know our central defenders weren't going to get to him that quickly. As I mentioned, that that guy was awful. He was awful the whole game. And if they had anyone half front, half decent up front, even if they had Ivan Tony still, I think we would have lost more heavily. He was really, really poor their striker, and was the reason they didn't win by more. But um, yeah, but as I say, that was the probably standout save in that second period. And as I say, it was happening in that bit where we'd gone four four two, and suddenly we were just looking way less secure. Um, but yeah, there was a few other interesting moments. Ollie, as the game went on, really. Um, and one of them was a, a sort of penalty claim um, from a corner. So Waterfall got felled and the town fans around me were going mad about it. And I was dubious when I watched it. I've watched it back today. And yeah, they both got their arms all over each other. And, and I don't think a referee is going to give a penalty for that. They were both pulling each other. So um, that wasn't a penalty. But the Didn't issue... look like a penalty to me either. No, but the issue with it was it fell to Doherty at the back post and he should have scored. This was horrendous. Oh my God, he completely scuffed his shot. Yeah, that was, that, that was a... And for me, this is where, for me... In the game, um, it, for me on the highlights, there was three clear good shooting opportunities, yeah. and this was definitely the best. It was the yep. fact that we, yeah, the fact that we, yeah, just had all these blocks shot, but that was, yeah, that was poor. And yeah, you, you'd hoped it would fall into anyone. You actually would have thought it was Doherty, and he just, yeah, he just, it was just a, he just. Yeah, it was really poor. I think that's to say, really, it was just it was crap. When you see the ways he finished those last two goals he scored in the last few weeks, you can't believe he even scuffed it so poorly. But um, yeah, he did. And and I say we were still leaking so many chances, and and basically Scunthorpe were getting the defenders turned around. So there was a lot of balls they were playing over the back line, Ollie, when we went four four two. But even in the in the other game, and as soon as our defenders were turned around and facing their own goal, it was panic stations every time. Yeah, that's but, a weakness for us, isn't it, with the the hugely. pace of our two central defenders? Yeah, it, it is, Ollie, and. So, so that was still happening during this period. But actually, as I say, when we were 4-4-2 up, we did create a few more chances. So we had that one from um, Doherty that I just mentioned. There was one where Wally had a good chance at the back post, but he fluffed it from a Gilead cross. Angle had a really nice chance where sort of Holloway chested it down to him and he's had a snapshot. Honestly, he should have done much better with that one as well. He snatched at it. Um, and yeah, that was it. That was the three gooder chances where we went 4-4-2. But as I say, we've, we've been missing chances all season and we missed chances on Saturday. It's not really seeming to change. No, you know, it's not. But it's it's for me, it's frustrating that the two kind of weak areas of our game are coming out through every game. Mm. So the lack of taking chances and for me, the concern in, in the central defence. I'll have to put both of them together on this one because, yep. you know, Sadler was uh, a part for, for the goal. So, yeah, not taking chances in the central defence for me are the two biggest areas of concerns. Mm. Um, Coleman has, you know, gone from strength to strength and he's solid now. Beckles um, seems to be playing okay. He gave away quite a few fouls though, didn't he, Beckles, in this game? 
He did. I mean, I'm not benching Beckles because I didn't really do anything in the game, to be honest with you. I didn't oh really no, not, 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 not saying out. he should be. Not yeah. saying he, yeah, not saying he should be dropped at all. I'm just saying I think he's better than Haynes. Yes. Um, but I just it was yeah, just a bit of a concern that he was giving away those fouls. And Emmanuel looks really solid. So, yeah, would you agree with that? Are they your two biggest concerns as well? Yeah, I, I guess so. I mean, I could list a ten concerns, Ollie. <laughs> Is it really worth going for all of them? But yeah, there's no. there's, 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 there's lots of concerns, <laughs> and I think that's that's the thing that Saturday. It's it, the game. Maybe there was probably some of the poorest play we've had all season on Saturday, and you know only three hundred town fans have watched it, and that's good for Askey because people were still remembering. A majority of people will still be remembering the performance of parts of the win against Southend and parts of the the first half against Portsmouth. People will just sort of just sort of forget about this. And they won't have seen quite how bad it was at times. Um, so he's just got all Askey needs to do to keep in a job is keep picking up the odd win here draw here and avoid these poor performances in home games if we if we suddenly dump in one of these home perform- if a performance like this at home then you know it'll be bigger trouble for him I think but you know it was it was poor to watch and, and I can't really say anything more than that and, and I sort of summed it up at the end by saying you know it wasn't to be at the end but we didn't deserve a win anyway and to be honest with you to say we deserved a draw would have been pushing it to be honest with you because from my view of it we played well for 20 minutes in the first half and maybe 10 minutes after we went 4-4-2 in the second half before the, the life went out of us and you know, you can't say you deserve to win if you're only going to play well for 30 minutes of a 90-minute game. Um, you know, that to me shows you that, you know, we've, we just weren't there on Saturday. So I can't say that we deserved anything out of the game, in all honesty. And um, when we went 4-4-2, the amount of quick breaks Scunthorpe had on us and, and looked made our defence look a bit, you know, troublesome at times, um, they probably did deserve to win overall in the end. So, yeah, there we go. So frustrating trip then, Glenn. And then obviously mm. you had a, a nice long drive home. But yes. um, before we kind of just close <laughs> on the game, obviously before we get to your top threes, um, so a bit of kind of a view on Scunthorpe. So, yeah, what was your kind of overall impression of them? And was there a standout player that you'd highlight? So, yeah, Scunthorpe, I think pff, they're, they're going to be bottom 10. They they weren't impressive. I mean, I've seen more out of most of the teams I've seen this play at Shrewsbury play this season than Scunthorpe. They they were workmanlike and they did a job on us. And I think they figured out very similar to some of the teams we, we've struggled with against in patches how to play against us, which is to sort of pressurise our centre-backs and um, just stay firm. When we're only playing one up front, it's not, not as difficult to defend against us as it could be if we were maybe more attacking in some areas of play but they weren't they didn't stand out Ollie in all honesty they were again a, a poor team and to me we've played some pretty poor teams in this opening section of the season Ollie it, would you not agree with that yeah there's no one that really stands out Luton had a bit of something about them just a bit of edge and a bit of kind of steel and a bit of quality yeah um, but yeah I've no, I haven't seen the, obviously the best team we've played of which I didn't go to put in Portsmouth away um, but we showed were so that's the thing that makes it even worse <laughs> we played well against know, a good that, team yeah yeah well that, but also the fact is, you know, that the teams in the league aren't amazing. So, you know, we should be doing a bit better than we are. So, yeah, yeah it is we've frustrating, to... but it does give you a concern that, you know, there's also then another load of teams that we've got to play yet um, who are higher up in the league. Um, so we've got loads of, um, you know, we've got, we still haven't played, Pete, um, we haven't played Peterborough, we haven't played Sunderland, Doncaster, Warsaw, Charlton, Barnsley, and that's the top eight. We played Charlton, we lost to them. Oh yeah, sorry, we did, yeah. <laughs> um, but sorry, yeah, so uh, seven of the top eight we haven't played. No. And that's a bit concerning. And you can go even further down, actually, you can add a couple more to that. Yeah, you can. Um, so yeah, we've definitely played the bottom half of the table so far and that doesn't bode well. So no, not good. And yeah, uh, makes um, the game on Saturday against Gillingham, who are one place below us only on goal difference um, a huge huge game but 
before to get any just before that just any standout player any kind of player you'd have to obviously you've highlighted the striker for being quite poor but anyone on a positive sense you'd... yeah the striker was rubbish <laughs> he was really rubbish um, I thought Novak was probably one of their better players to be honest with you okay, in terms cool. of I know he scored the goal but he's always been a decent player at this level Novak League 1, League 2 and um, he's played against us for a few teams now and yeah he's he's good on the ball, solid, got a decent range of passing. I, I thought he was a good player. But as I say, it was hard to see someone that really stood out from the Scunthorpe team. Uh, I say the only player that stood out in the whole game, really, for, for, for both sets of teams, was Joel Coleman. He had the most exceptional performance out of all the players. So um, it was a bitty game. But yeah, I, I suspect that you know if we are in relegation trouble, we'll be scrapping around down there with Scunthorpe, to be honest with you. So um, yeah, they weren't particularly impressive, unfortunately, for them. But uh, yeah, they got the win. That's what matters. So top three, who did you go for? I can imagine you went for first. <laughs> yeah, Coleman was clearly man of the match, and I've, I've described how well he played. Um, much more, con- much more assured, and his kicking was much better as well. So, Coleman was That's number good one. To hear. Yeah, Grant, I gave number two, and as I say, the I gave him number two really because it was so noticeable how we were much more open and exposed when he got subbed off. But he'd been really good in the first half, and he was a bit unfortunate to make way. I can understand why if you're going to make that sub, you take off the defensive midfielder, you don't take off Norburn or or Doherty because they're more attacking. So, you know, it's a bit unfortunate that he had to get subbed, but hopefully it's, it's, it will rest his legs for the next game on Saturday and he'll be raring to go. Um, and I went for Angle, number three. It was tough from that point onwards, to be honest with you, to, to pick anyone else, but he was honest. His work rate was hard. He, he tried his best, but he had very, very little service, so you can't really blame him for for too much of the, the lack of scoring. So, uh, yeah, I went for Angle for number three. So that um, brings us on to um, Askey. The main man. Yeah, so he looked very stern and pretty pissed <laughs> off uh, to start the interview. He said that he was disappointed. Um, we thought we had spells, especially in the first half, and he was pretty happy with the first half. But um, he mm. said we should have scored um, in that first um, in that first half. Yep. He said second half, we didn't compete for 15 minutes. So, yeah, as you said, he said disappointing goal to give away. And he used the word lethargic, which I think mm. is a good way of summarising what you said, Glenn. Yeah, interesting. Um, frustrating performance. He did um, take a moment to kind of say Coleman has made some good saves and how he's improved since he's joined us. Good. And he said in this, in the said, he, and he kind of put a finger on in the midfield second half, just didn't compete, and that's what cost us. Yeah. Um, so yeah, um, a few interesting comments there, but yeah, it's um, it's going to have to be another hard week at the training ground. Yeah. Um, and yeah, I'm, uh, looking ahead a little bit, this um, yeah, playing Gillingham is going to be. Is it is it is it too early to start saying must wins? But well, I really said that really need to win. It's a huge game, massive game again, and um, yeah, I mean, just just to sum up that final Dranaski comment, I think that you know, saying the midfield didn't compete in the second half. Well, we didn't when we were under the cosh of that first 15 minutes when we were really poor, and I would agree with that. But, you know, as soon as we went out to the two midfield, we were getting overrun then anyway. So it's it, it, it all it means to me is, is this team's still just such a conundrum, isn't it? Do you know what I mean? And I, I was trying to think about how to sum that up when I put a message on Facebook last night saying, you know, I'm just not, I'm not still convinced that this, you know, as much as I said they look when they click a top 10 team, they also look a bit like a relegation candidate team at times. And I'm still not convinced which of them they are. And everyone will turn around and say, well, maybe they fall somewhere in between and we'll be comfortably mid-table this season but you know you'd think after a bloody you know we all say I'll judge it after 10 games you'd think after what is 12 competitive games we played now we'd have a better judgment on this team but we we still really haven't got that judgment yet you know it still feels a bit too early to call what we think and so I, I've kind of said now well I'll let this game on Saturday go you know against Gillingham and get that out of the way and then we've got Walsall away and then it feels like I maybe can make a judgment but the way it's going <laughs> we might not be able to then anyway so they are a real conundrum this team Ollie yes <laughs> <laughs> and um, yeah we're coming up to our 10th game so um, yeah 
normally typically um on silent class we have a bit of a summary don't we of 10 yeah, games yeah. in and highs and lows and i i feel like we're gonna be repeating ourselves so yeah we'll have to have a think about that one but okay. yeah i guess um let's, let's just move into predictions i guess yep let's look at them now robinson scored nine for shrewsbury before moving to the south coast in january he says he still sees his future at the shropshire club well he wouldn't have thought so by the way he nailed the third to seal the game so scunny away both of us went for one or draw um it yep. was on but we didn't score. If Doherty nope. had scored, obviously both of us would have got full points, so we both got Ugh, it wrong. So not doing very well this season, are we, in terms nope. of points? Just shows you how hard it is um, to do it. And which is, yeah, really funny in terms of, um, I did an accumulator on the weekend. Oh, yeah. Um, and, um, yeah, every single game was coming in. Um, it was, I was, you know, absolutely busting the results. And I thought, bang, you know, I'm going to win a few hundred quid here. So unfortunately, Portsmouth let me down. Uh. Yeah, at home to Wickham, I thought that would be in a banker, um, but they let me down. So that was very, very frustrating. Just You need, you need to just put bet on Ipswich not to win every week and you'll be fine, mate. Yeah, they were actually quite good <laughs> odds to win there, actually. It was really odd. They were like 19 to 20 on Bet365. So obviously should, that didn't happen. No, we should just mention Nurse. He's having probably a worse time than Askey now, do you not think? Because today I still haven't won. He's now got the record, Paul Hurst, for the longest reign at the start of a managerial career at Ipswich he's been there 116 days and they haven't won yet and the previous record was 112 days so you know as much as we've talked a lot about Askey and pressure he's under he's under significantly less pressure than Paul Hurst is which is got so interesting compared to where we were this time a year ago but um yeah it's it's not going well for him is it so yeah bet on whoever they're playing next week if it didn't if we didn't tweet so much on the salad cast account um, and I was, you know, this kind of, um, yeah, up for kind of giving a bit of banter, but I can't really be bothered. It'd be <laughs> lovely to go and find those guys who had given us all the jip for getting upset oh, about dear. the illegal approach, because yeah. um, I bet they wish they hadn't bothered now. Well, um, they can go steal someone else's manager in a few months' time, can't they? Or a few, maybe a few weeks' time. <laughs> it's an interesting one, isn't it? So, yeah, be, I'm sure, obviously, town fans keep talking about it. And, yeah, those, it's yeah. just funny, isn't it? Again, town fans split in those who are saying, move on, forget about it, and those who are, yeah, gleeful that you'd gone. But anyway, <laughs> a bit more important than that, so... Shrewsbury Town. So, what's your prediction, um, Glenn, for um, for this for this Saturday? See, taking all the negative of, of away of Saturday, you know, this game to me strikes me as a very much similar to Southend last Saturday, doesn't it? It's another poor team down the bottom of the league with us that we really should be beating if we're to get out of trouble. And I think that Askey will probably get us a result on Saturday. I think that we'll probably win two nil, similar to Southend again, and um, it'll sort of put the naysayers away for a while, and, and everyone will start thinking, yeah, we have two in a corner, two wins in three. That's fine. It's about backing it up then, isn't it? And going on a little run and, you know, and you know, six points out of nine is a little run then, isn't it? So I think that we'll probably win, Ollie, in all honesty, and I, I will stick with that. I'll go with 2-0. Yeah, I was, it's interesting you say that, Glyn. Um, look at their last three results. So they lost at home 1-0 to Wimbledon. Yeah. They got spanked 3-0 away at Rochdale Oof. and then conceded four on Saturday at home to Peterborough um, and well, scored two. Um, yeah, but it's interesting. Did you see that um, table that um, I shared? There's a guy called Ollie Walker who works for Stratabet, and he always does really interesting pieces um, looking at XG. And this, um, this is new kind of formula called Deserve Points, which I won't even try to go into. <laughs> um, I've only just. You can, I'm still not sure about XG yet. So don't try me on new stats, yet, Ollie. Leave that till next year. <laughs> but basically, um, basically, we are yeah just. As we as we've been saying, you know, Ollie said you guys are very weird. So last season we were had, you know, we were our xG was unbelievable, and we were just our chance conversion was immense. This season our chance conversion is utterly horrendous. Yeah. Um. So we're like we're performance wise we're just not getting anything. So that's an interesting one anyway. But yes, I'm going to go for two nil to Shrewsbury as well. I don't know. I'm t- I'm torn between two one and two nil. And in in the ex- in the 
competitiveness to try and beat you, Glenn. I'm going to go for 2-1. Yeah, so I think it's going to be 2-0, but I'm going to go for 2-1 just to try and get more points. Cool, that's fine. I think that's fair enough, Ollie. It's the it's the, the will to win in you, Ollie. That's good to see. <laughs> you know, We need that drive from the players sometimes when we play in games like Saturday. But yeah, as I say, I think in terms of the game on Saturday... We, we've kind of mentioned it briefly at the start, but it is it is a big game. It's not must win. Um, it's not far off though, is it? It's okay. I tell you what, it might not be must win, but it must not lose. Yes, it can't lose. Um, and it's I interesting agree. about the fans and where they are. But someone put a poll on the Facebook group this afternoon, so about um, nearly just short of 150 people have voted. Yeah. At the moment, 22% of fans are saying that you know Askey should should not be the manager by Christmas. Yeah. Um, where um, obviously just shy of 80% of fans are saying that he should still be here for Christmas. So fans are still with Askey, but um, yeah, he needs to turn these performances into wins. You could say that you know if you look at that as a sort of a, a, a poll of, of the general fan base which it might reflect roughly you know normally sort of things like that do um, 20% you know that's quite a lot of our fans in some respects but if you were to lose at home on Saturday you could easily double that 20% to 40 odd percent or something like that do you know what I mean I could cer- certainly see that people would start saying we've won one from 10 and we'd yeah. probably be back in the relegation zone we'd have seven points from from, a, from, from 10 games from a possible 30 you know un- unfortunately you can't say even now you can't you, the points we've accrued from these games is relegation form, isn't it, Ollie? Yeah. You know <laughs> that that is. It's hard to say that because I don't want to say that as a Town fan. But that's what it what is, and and so we're on the verge now of needing wins to to up that point to the point that you can't say that because you know if we go into Walsall and it's away and they're playing really well and they really really owe us for last season because we gave them so much grief as a set set of fans, didn't we? And they've really sort of got took it on the took it badly. I think Walsall fans that'll be such a hard game for us and. Um, you know, if we can't win the game on Saturday and then you go another game without a win, and oh, just it starts to build, doesn't it? So, yeah, I think Askey really needs to, again, try and prove to us that he is the man for the job and, and, and you know, those naysayers, he's got to give them something to, to keep hanging their hopes on. And I think we're there, you know, I'm... I'm I'm fifty fifty with Ollie. I still I don't I'm not calling for him to go, but I'm still not hundred percent convinced this will go right. I know I want the man to, to to put a series of results together that say right here's something to build on. You know we've built the team, but I and and there's a, some good players there that we think we've got. But I want him to say right I've got these good players now, and this is the sort of thing we can be expecting now. Some consistent good wins, performances or not wins or good runs of win draw draw win. You know four games without a loss, something like that, just to be able to say look I, I know we can do it because. You know, we're, we're ten games into the season. That's only you know of a fifth of the way into the season now, pretty much, and he hasn't shown that yet. So, not great. No, and um, yeah, to kind of close the pod, um, I, I'm probably hopefully the weather will be fine for me to wear my true Town gilet, um, <laughs> and the gilet's got a hundred percent win record. Oh, excellent! So it's got the bringing that bit of Paul Hurst magic into um, into in 2018, <laughs> 19. So, fingers crossed, the gilet can be um, keep an unbeaten record. Hopefully, hopefully, fingers crossed. Anyway, we shall both be there next Saturday, and um, I'm sure that the a hardy bunch of Shrewsbury Town fans will be. I suspect the weather's going to be turning over the next few months, isn't it? Back to cold, wintry weather. So, yeah, everyone uh, wrap up warm and we'll see you next Sunday after hopefully a, a Shrewsbury Town win to get us back on the right track, mate. So, yeah, have a good week, Ollie. Thanks for listening. And Cheers, we'll guys. Next Sunday. Oh!